another day. All right, let's ride. Number 64, No Playing This Rob Podcast, hosted by me, myself, and I, Blackout. Welcome, welcome aboard. Today, there's a lot on race. I'm black. Go figure, right? I'm in here down in the dumps about race, and I'm I'm feeling sorry for myself, and I'm lazy, and all that bullshit that Candace Owens will have you believe about black people. Not true. Not true. But there is a lot of race involved in this episode, just because of, you know, this is what the Newsweek gave me and these are some stories that caught my eye and i'm pretty sure i'm forgetting about one already but i'm gonna check on it and see if i can find it to put it in this podcast i'm gonna do my best so i'm gonna talk to you guys about a couple of interviews i thought were entertaining and then some news stories i came across over the course of a week and i'm gonna give you guys my input as i do all the time now spoiler alert the fucking new england patriots are going back to the super bowl Plenty of people, I ain't going to say a lot of people saw it coming, but it's no surprise. The Kansas City Chiefs played well. They had already had a loss to New England. And to be honest, man, even though the young quarterback was out there, the loss wasn't on him. He did his thing. Patrick McCahon was out there balling. Brady was just Brady. And New England has that system. And um, it's almost unfair to watch it go down because you know what they're going to do. But they just have so many of the right pieces. Like, I won't even call them weapons. I really won't. Because they don't blow you out the out the water with, like, athleticism. And I know they're all athletes, but they get you with skill guys. Guys who do certain things well. I think that's New England's bread and butter. And I know from what I saw in that, um, the, the Two Bills uh, documentary on ESPN, about Parcells and uh, Belichick. That's what Belichick does. He goes to get certain guys that do certain things well, and he figures out a way to implement them in the system. Now, there are some calls I thought should have went the other way. I, I really feel like that ball touched Edelman's hand on that kick return. Like, I saw one replay. They showed one angle where it touched his thumb and then didn't show the angle no more during the replay. That was weird to me. But anyway, they went on to win the game, so shout out to them. They did their thing. Like, I'm, I'm past the point of hating teams for winning. Like, unless you beat my team, then I don't really give a fuck about you unless you're some type of rival or something. Now, I understand people get tired of saying there's a lot of rumors about how they cheat and all that shit, but this game was close. It could have went either way. It just happened that time fell on the side of the Patriots and that they're so dedicated to executing that game plan they don't really make a lot of mistakes and even if they do make mistakes they're never in a position where they can't recover from the mistakes if that makes any sense I do feel like Kansas City should have won but at the end of the day Brady's Brady Brady's gonna do Brady things and everybody's gonna fall in line with that and now he out here talking this shit talking about he's the baddest motherfucker on the planet he just might be. And on the flip side of this in the NFC, 
Um, the L.A. Rams are going to the Super Bowl for the first time in a long damn time. But they're going to get there. And in a way, I feel like we kind of got cheated. Because I either wanted the matchup to be between the two legends, like Breeze versus Brady in the Super Bowl, or I wanted the rematch from the Monday night game with the two young guns, Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes. So I feel like I kind of got half of what I – I got none of what I wanted, actually. Like, I'm glad the Rams are in there. I'm not so glad the Patriots are in there, but it should be a good uh, a good game. I don't think they played this season. If they did, I missed it. But, yeah, Rams' defense is cold. If Belichick isn't able to execute his offense, then almost said Pittsburgh, then New England may be in trouble. But on the other hand, if the Rams' offense doesn't do what it should do, like if they had a little bit of struggles um, this game today against the Saints, and if they let the Patriots get up 14 points, they're going to be struggling for the rest of the game. Because I feel like as a QB in the huddle, like when, when the game's on the line, if I had to choose between which one had, which one had more poise between Patrick Mahomes and um, Jared Goff, I would tell you Patrick Mahomes all day because he can still rely on his athleticism to get things done. He doesn't always do it. I wish he would have ran some this game. It might have made the difference. But I don't think uh, golf is a better QB, at least right now. But anyway, I'm going to get into this podcast. I'm going to give you the nitty-gritty of, the, of these race issues um, that I, I came across over the week. So the first one is from, from General Motors. So apparently there's a few black – of a few black employees, their supervisors that have been seeing shit like nooses put up in places and they've been called boy and ignored by subordinates and everything like that. Been called monkey and told to go back to Africa. And these are like supervisors. These guys are earning six figures at uh, General Motors and shit. And they're walking in the bathroom and seeing shit like whites only. And I'm only bringing this up as examples of that this shit still exists. And everybody likes to say, no, it's over with. People are being sensitive. No, let, let somebody come in there and say something like fucked up about white people. You won't hear me say it because that ain't my zone. My zone ain't to come in here and use the C word I call it and the R word and all that shit because that ain't something I like to do. Like even in, res- in uh, respect to the homosexual community, like all those F words and all that shit, at some point, words like that left my vocabulary. And it wasn't something that I consciously did. It's just things I I slowly started to eliminate from my personal lexicon, if that makes sense. I looked up one day and noticed, like, I don't say that word. And I don't feel comfortable saying it. But oddly enough, I still use the N-word. And I was kind of confused by it. But then I realized, well, to me, when I use it, I'm not using it in a negative manner. And I know it's the same old, the same old argument you hear, but... It has something to say about the psyche of black people. Like, when I'm using it in reference to other black people, I'm not using it in a way that I've offended anyone yet or a way that it's meant to be offensive, if that makes sense. It's like it's like a superlative. It's like this perfect word to put in certain spots in the sentence to heighten the excitement of the sentence. I forgot why I heard it, but it was somewhere where somebody was explaining that we speak in rhythm. Black people, we're rhythmic speakers, so when we like to we like to use like colorful words, and it helps it helps us when placing words and, and like it helps us in forming a sentence. 
I guess. Like it's it's just a, a word that flows. And I can't um I can't one hundred percent justify it. Like I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say that I can't. I just think it's for every black person, it's a personal choice. If you choose to use it or not, it depends on what circle you run in. And if your circle don't do it, then you'll probably slow down on using it or get it out your vocabulary. And there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe at some point I will too. Who knows? At this point, I don't feel self-conscious about it because when I'm in my circle and I'm with the homies and that's how we talk and that's how we talk and everything's Gucci. I just know not to use it in certain environments. But the way it was used here was definitely meant to be fucked up. All these slurs and these activities that took place against these men was definitely meant to offend them and make them feel like they were lesser than while being in the role of supervisor, which is fucked up. And it's like in Toledo, Ohio, of all places, like the middle of America, where there's a bunch of black people at. It's not the South. It's not the Northeast. I get that population-wise. There's a lot of black people in the Midwest. And you would hope, I'm not even saying, I'm not even going to say think anymore. You would hope that at this point, people from all over would be trying, would like to show an effort to come together unless they're bought into the doctrine of that's been coming out through the media from each political party. You would hope that people would see that like, man, if you are somebody that's never had any real contact with black people and been told, hey man, these guys are, these guys are lazy, they don't want to do anything, and they don't they don't want to move up. They want to live off the government. For you to be a part of a company and see two black men being successful in supervisor positions, in my brain, that should let you know that, hey, man, they're not all these negative stereotypes. These people want to work and do and do their job like everybody else, and they want to make it to a position where they're respected and they can provide for their families and they excel at work. Or... If you want to remain in your little bum-ass shell, you'll revert to thinking, oh, he only got this job because he's black, this, that, and the third. And to me, it's mind-blowing to still think like that in this day and age. But then again, I'm not one of these people. And I'm so glad that I've been in a in an era and a, in a space where I've been able to grow up around every fucking body. And I'm able to see the difference. Like, growing up in the South, especially, growing up in Florida, like, there's definitely still remnants of that there. And I can't tell you what people what people say about me or how people treat other black people when I'm not around. But I've been, luckily, I've been fortunate enough to be around people who appreciated everybody for who they were. So that when I came into a situation when I was surrounded by a bunch of fucking racists, I was able to pick it out. Even when it was just somebody acting out of anger and they weren't really like that. They weren't really this racist asshole. It's just something they reverted to because they were upset with young black dudes and didn't know how to act. Because years years later down the line, a few years later, they doing all the same things I'm doing and wearing the same clothes I'm wearing, listening to the same music and looking at me like, what's up, bro? Even though we had conflict in the past. And it's just like something I, I had to, to understand and realize everybody isn't this way because luckily I got I got introduced to people who just like people at an early age and I, and I bumped into the races afterwards and I guess that's one of those benefits of growing up in the fucking apartments because that's where I'm from I'm from the apartments as we say down south 
from the block, from the apartments, wherever. I, I'm come from apartment complex lifestyle. And while I lived in a house for a good chunk of my life, even at the time that I moved into the house with my parents or whatever, a lot of black families were doing that, transitioning from the apartment lifestyle into homes. So by the time that happened for me, I had a lot of friends who were used to living in the fucking apartments. So I was still around the same group, I guess, mentality-wise. We kind of stayed to each other. And even the white friends and shit, too, was like, it was like, hey, it was our apartments and fuck everybody else. That's just kind of how it went. I guess you could say on some hood shit, but it wasn't really that. That's the only way I can explain it. And then it became, uh, you know, you go to school and it becomes your classroom. Then you go to a bigger school and it becomes, okay, our school team against everybody else. But it's everybody in this melting pot. And that's one of the reasons why I like Jacksonville, Florida. Because while there are differences there, while there are race barriers there, a lot of that shit is fringe people in my mind. I haven't been there in a while. I haven't lived there in a while. So I don't know if it's gotten worse. But I know for me, at the time frame that I was there, it was like everybody that's there, look, we, we live in the same area. We all grew up together. We kind of the same. You either with us or you're not. And we may have our little dysfunctions and shit inside that, but you either fucking with us or you're not. That's it. And I've been fortunate to grow up like that, but other people apparently ain't like that, or they let their politics direct how they feel about other people. And while I don't like conservative people for the most part, that doesn't affect how I feel about them until they say some shit that I just can't tolerate. Just because I don't like their politics don't mean I don't like you. And even though my like my say my Facebook shit all the time is because I communicate with a lot of people there because I don't live in my hometown no more. So that's the only way for me to interact with them. And a lot of people on there have different views than me, but I keep them around because you never know what you can learn. Anyway, though, further on with race relations. Brittany Nicole, 32, was a former news anchor in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi. And she was apparently fired after filing formal complaints. So, she basically asked her director if she could stop straightening her hair after she had her child. Later on, she was pulled back into his office and was told that her natural hair was unprofessional and the equivalent to throwing a baseball cap to go to the grocery store. That's what she was told. Like your natural hair is like you putting on the baseball cap to grow to go to the fucking grocery store. Like the way your hair grows out of your head should not define you as a human being. At all. And this this is what kills me. The things that happen to black women, like in their hair, like I got a lot of issues with black hair. As far as like the the perms and weaves and all that shit. Personally, like I don't, perms I don't mind. I just, I'm late to the party finding out all the shit that's in there and, and just seeing things like Chris Rock has a movie, Good Hair, Bad Hair, whatever, where you kind of see that people are profiting off of putting, off a of black woman buying this shit and putting all these fucking chemicals in their hair. And in my brain, this shit can't be healthy. So I have my issues with perms, but I'm not totally against it. Like my wife, when she perm her, I love that shit. It looks nice. Cool. But if she wants to go natural, I'm, I'm walking with her on her natural hair journey because that's my wife. And that's what I prefer. That's what, that's the role we walking down for our kids. And that's what's something that she may do later on when she feels comfortable, whatever. But when she's ready to do it, big chop, or if she wants to grow it out, 
I'm with it. I'm riding with her the whole way because that's, that's the queen. But just see shit like this makes me mad because you see people just in society, especially, I say, predominantly young white women, even some young Asian women and some Latin women walk around, different color hair, blue, pinks, purples, greens, just out in the world doing what, whatever the fuck. And it's very socially acceptable. But the black woman growing her natural hair out of her head is, is something she's seen to be shamed for. And I know that black women are empowering themselves now. And a lot of them are going the natural route or whatever. And that, I think that's great. I think that should be the goal. I would like for that to be like a universal goal for black women is to go natural completely. As a whole, that's me being an idealist because I don't want my people putting dangerous chemicals in their hair. Not because I don't like the style, just because I don't want you putting dangerous chemicals in your hair. And I've never understood weave. I mean, I've, I understand the purpose of weaves and, I guess, sewing and shit like that. But it just, to me, it I don't like the look of it personally. It's just like that type of, that texture can never be yours. So it doesn't make sense to me to see that in a, in a black woman's hand. For me, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. But if you look back, you can be like, well, they kind of learned that from men rocking toupees. I don't necessarily think black dudes, but I'm just going to say, you know, they, women kind of got the shit from men. And then if you look at it right now, the new thing they got is these fucking male hair units that I know I spoke on a while ago. It's just shit that, that's just some shit I can't accept. If you're going bald, be a man, go bald. Black woman, you want to cut your shit off? You want to get you a low Caesar and start over? Do that shit. Do that shit. A real black man understands you want to be your natural self. He should support you. Want to be your natural self and want to be healthy. And not have to put this bullshit in your head that burn your scalp. And I really don't think it's right that black women are being pressured. And I and obviously I know it's more than just this woman. That's why I'm speaking on it like this and speaking on just the culture of our country is that a natural look for them is unprofessional. Just imagine the uproar that would have happened and the type of shit that would have been said about Michelle Obama had she decided to go natural while in the White House. And I don't know if she's not. She could just have to be getting the fuck. The, she could just be getting the shit pressed out of her hair. She could be natural. I don't know. But just imagine the uproar and the feel that people would have had with that had she tried to do that. Had she, had she tried to transition while in the White House because they don't understand the shit that's going on in our community. And they think it's a fucking joke and they make jokes about these black congresswomen and senators and their hair and shit because they don't understand our culture. And we've been taught to joke about it ourselves. And these are just some of the things that I feel strongly about. And I really think it's on us, black, it's on us as black men to make sure we make our women feel comfortable about what they do with their hair. And I understand that we should support them because it's their hair, but I feel like it's okay for us to have a stance on it because these are our queens and our princesses. And it's on us to take care of them and make them feel good about themselves. So I'm not saying you got to, if she won't weave in her hair, that you got to not help out, pay for it, if that's your woman, or not support her. But, you know, she want to go natural, I would say encourage it. Encourage a healthier lifestyle. Encourage her to go in, to be able, encourage her to help her have the confidence to be able to go into work and change her hair. Just be able to go out in society so that by the time you have a person in the place of employment, it's not taboo anymore. Let's make being natural the natural fucking thing to do. But it's going to start within the community 
And part of the responsibility is going to lie on us as men. And that's just how I feel like being accepting those styles and not saying shit like, oh, I like her weave and all that shit. No, love the woman for what she is, naturally. Empower her. Empower her. Like, I, I want to know if there was a black man who happened to work at this news station that didn't stand up for this woman. Like, why did that not happen? If I'm a black man, I'm tempted to walk out. Like, how can you do this to this woman because of her hairstyle? It's just wild to me, really wild. But I, I had to bring it up because you know, I got, I have a you know a black wife. I got two little black girls, and I want them to be able to, to be free, in this society to do whatever the fuck they want. But if we keep letting other people put the shackles on our women, they'll never be free, and they always be conflicted about what they got to do, how they got to look, how they got to act when they go out in public, how they have to talk, how they have to sound. We need to support our own and build our own up. And, it, and if it's something as simple as supporting them while they go through this hair shit to help them build their self-esteem and help them going forward, then goddamn it, so be it. That's something we got to do for our community to help our standing in the world. Because if we help ourselves, we help everybody else because we're going to be able to contribute more. That's just how I feel. Then there's another, another situation where there's an Applebee's employee. I forgot where she was at. It made me so mad when I found out about it. I didn't even write it down. But there's a black woman working at Applebee's, did her job, you know, was, she was the waitress, had no issues with the customer or whatever. And then when they leave, she come to find out they left a tip saying, I don't tip black people. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? What type of bullshit is that? You sit there and you, I go, I go through the motions of doing my job to make sure I'm doing it the right way, being professional, providing you with this service. And then if I made a mistake, you know, let me know, let a supervisor know so I can fix it. But you don't do that. You just leave me a note saying I don't tip black people. You could at least, if I did something wrong, you could at least left me a rundown of where I fucked up at. If you were too scared to confront me. Or you were just being an asshole, which I'm 100% sure this or You decided to just be an asshole and say, I don't tip black people. That's that sucker shit, man. That's that sucker shit that we got to deal with in society just, just trying to exist. Just trying to exist. Fucking crazy. <sighs> makes, me, uh, makes me angry. And that leads me to another topic. I wanted to get on real quick, and that was the um, the uh, social media spat that Cardi B got into with uh, Tommy Lauren. I've shit on her a bunch of times because people like her, Candace Owens, the Amazing Lucas, a lot of conservatives, a lot of conservative commentators. I won't say conservative voters, and I won't say Republicans, but the, the commentators are the one that piss me off the most. So apparently, Cardi B. Being who she was, making comments about the president or whatever. And then Tommy Lauren chimed in, said some bullshit. And then Cardi B was like, leave me alone. I will drag you. Basically. <laughs> That's it. Because Cardi B was talking about the government shutdown and shit. 
and then you know she Tommy Lauren just had to 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 give her little opinion and say what she likes to say or whatever. And Cardi B basically told her she would dog walk her. <laughs> and it went on from there. And she told her to leave her alone. And she kept saying, oh, you probably would dog walk me or whatever. And Cardi B basically told her, it's like, people like you, you get all this education. And you basically still don't know how to fucking act. Get all this education and don't know how to conduct yourself. You don't know what's really going on in the world. And, you know, Tommy Lauren was doing shit like calling her a political genius and all this other shit. Just, you know, a bunch of sucker shit she was doing. And, you know, she has to ride that way because that's the hole she's pitching. She's pitching holding us up into that spot. She's going to always have to do that to stay afloat. Unfortunately for her. But, it, like, like I was saying, it is what it is. Like, that's the type of shit we got to deal with. Somebody sitting on stuff, but we, we, even as a celebrity, even as a woman who's made money, who came from a fucked up background. And this is something else crazy. You came from a fucked up background and you're making millions upon millions of dollars. But this, this woman who uh, is a political commentator who is not even your tax bracket feels like she can attack your intellect. But if you, if you look them up and put them next to each other's net worth, what's that going to say? Who's stupid? And I know everything's not all about the money, whatever, cool, but just look at what she had to come through to get to where she's at, to this platform, and then look where you're at. You have to go to her in order to get some energy circulating around what you're doing. So in all honesty, I just wish Cardi B would have kind of kept continued to lead this shit alone. To just leave her dangling out there like an idiot. Which, which is what I believe she should have done. But I'm also not mad at her for, um, you know, reaching back and putting her in her place and reminding her to have a seat. Because in, in reality, she ain't shit. <laughs> just saying. Cardi gonna be alright. A couple of things I want to talk about. Um, black community again. And this is more not about, this isn't really about race. It's just about us dealing with each other. One of our queens fucked up. Recently, Erica Badu was at a concert in Chicago and she mentioned something about supporting R. Kelly. Now, I was too hurt by this to even look into what she said, but I know the crowd in Chicago let her have it from what I read. As they should. As they really should. I know uh, Miss Badu is probably speaking from the perspective of an artist and as a fan of his music. I get it, but she's too responsible to say some shit like that. I can't control what another grown person does. I don't understand why anybody would still listen to their music. I really don't. The songs are never going to be bad. The songs are out there. They're good songs. They're still in my memory. But am I going to listen to them again? No. I can't. She may have had a relationship with him, as they are both black singers. She may have had, a, she may have had some sort of relationship with him. You know, behind the scenes to where they got to know each other, they were cool with her having no knowledge of what he was doing. And that's the person she knows. But that still don't absolve him of his sins that he's been accused of. And I've always felt like he's been a fucked up individual. And why I don't appreciate what, what she said is like, I can't hold her to the flame the same way. I'm not willing to cancel Erica Badu because of her opinion. She didn't actually do the shit. 
And I know this this cancel culture we got within within the black community, I get it sometimes, is necessary. But sometimes we need to see where somebody's coming from in their thought process before we just want to erase them completely. Because when it comes to other celebrities, we tend to take them right back on in. How many black people still shopping at H&M? I ain't walked to H&M since that coolest monkey in the jungle shit happened. I don't look forward to doing it no time soon. No, I won't, because fuck them. And even though it didn't happen in the States, that's just a stance I made myself. It's just something I made myself that I that I put into my brain and I won't be doing it. Same thing with R. Kelly. I wouldn't listen to his music anyway. But it was awful disappointing that she went on her way to do that, especially while in Chicago. That was fucking insane to me. She f- definitely fucked up. Moving on, though. I want to talk about somebody else who's been fucking up a lot lately. Well, I won't say lately. I just say in life. So some of y'all's homie, Future Hendrix, decided that he was he's trying to build this buzz around his album, I guess, a project he has coming out. So he's doing his press run, going and doing his interviews, his little radio tour and all that shit to bring awareness about what he's got going on. And he was being interviewed by one of his homeboys and bro basically asked him how he felt about Russell Wilson. He decides to respond with things like, he's not a man. He does whatever she tells him to do. If that was me, I wouldn't even worry. Your ex don't even exist. If you with me, your ex don't even exist. And I take issue with this because how do you, one, publicly go out and say something about the man who has your son in his household. To me, that's just nothing, nothing I would do. That's just not smart, in my personal opinion. This man has, has your child in his household, and from things I've seen, he's been being the father to this little boy. Welcomed him into his home, and treating him as a child should be treated. You, on the one hand, got multiple baby mamas everywhere. And I'm assuming you guys spend a lot of time in the studio. Well, you may or may not got spend a lot of time in the studio because you sound like you mumble through every goddamn song you make. But you're going to have to go on tour, do press runs and all this shit. You got all these goddamn kids. How much time are you really spending with your kids? You don't even have the common decency to put a, to put a rubber on after making this mistake multiple times, but you want to talk about somebody else not being a man. You look fucking foolish out here. He's out, he's out here appearing on Nickelodeon and shit, winning football games, looking like the golden boy of the NFL. A fucking great example for your son. You out here making whole drug anthems and shit. Talking about how you fuck all these bitches. And then going out there and actually doing it. And then you raw dogging them and getting them pregnant. But you talking about somebody else ain't a man. Future needs to get sober. Get a box of condoms or a vasectomy and get to know his children a little bit better. Or get to know what's going on in the household where his children live. Like, that's a phone call. If you felt like that was going on there, that's something that you don't talk about on radio. That's something you don't talk about with anybody outside of that situation. If you got an issue with what that man's doing, that's a fucking phone call. You should definitely have his number. 
you should definitely have Sierra's. Like, I don't doubt that you got Sierra's number, but you should definitely have Russell Wilson's uh, number as well. So if there's any issue going on, you can reach out directly to him and talk about it since he is taking on part of your fatherly fucking responsibility. But you take time out your day to go on the radio and try to smear this man like he ain't doing what he fucking supposed to be doing. You ain't doing what you supposed to be doing. Some people just make me fucking mad. Like, it just, some of these rappers, god damn it, they just piss me off so much. But anyway, I'm going to get to some more rappers right now. And this is, um, I'm going to end the podcast after I talk about these two. But these are two interviews I saw um, over the course of a week. One of them is a little bit older. And uh, the other one was recent. So first, I'm going to talk about the 21 Savage interview on um, The Breakfast Club. And this is like his second time up there for me. 21 Savage has come a long way. I'm, I'm going through listening to his album right now. Of course, there's the song with J. Cole on there called A Lot, where J. Cole killed the verse. But I'm, I'm looking for growth in his music, and I'm trying to see where his head is at. And if he if he took the next step with his, with his rhyming and all that shit, just to kind of get a gauge of where he's at. He's still a really young dude. But I just wanted to kind of see where he was at. But the interview, like, I can watch one of his interviews because I feel like that's where he he gets off all of his um everything that he's trying to say in his music for me I can digest it better watching him in the interview and if you've never listened to this podcast before heard me say it that's why I judge a lot of rappers is how they sound when they're doing an interview and the things that they say and because that's when you get like the real person there in the calm environment they should be comfortable they should be able they should feel like they're in an environment where they can say whatever they want to say, if they've been made to feel comfortable by who's ever interviewing them. But I just thought it was really interesting to hear about him talk, to hear about him speak on his own, his own growth as an individual. His album is titled Greater Than I Was. So it shows that he's either trying to to grow or he's recognizing his maturity as a man. I think that's cool. Like for him, he even have J. Cole on there. was dope. But him just talking about how he moved and I seen something a while back about him not buying no more jewelry because he seen he sees how people run through their money and how they do things and just just how to move in the industry. So if you don't want to listen to the album without seeing who the person is, I would say, I would say check out the interview because this ain't the type of shit I really like I listen to. For the most part, my music is like lyrical miracle, all that type of shit. It's mostly other rapidy rapidy, but I do download these albums for these young boys every now and then and try to listen to them. So um, it's worth checking out. It's a pretty good interview, man. Just you get to know the artist better if you're not really in tune with his music. It ain't like when Big Crit come out. Big Crit just D did come out by the way, um, like a week or so ago. It ain't like Big Crit coming out, and I'm knowing I'm buying that shit. I'm downloading it no matter what because he makes really good music. He makes music that's thought-provoking. He makes music you can play in the trunk. He makes music you can play around your parents for the most part if you pick the songs the right way. He's a well-rounded artist, so I know I can just go get that shit. I may not have to watch an interview to learn more about him. But 21 Savage, for me, for my listening ears, a little bit different. I digest him differently. I got to go to the interview to see what the fuck he's talking about before I go out and invest in the whole album. But I will listen based on things he said. I'm checking for the growth he was talking about. Now... 
this nigga Soldier Boy. <laughs> so your boy Soldier Boy tell him was on the Breakfast Club. He was also on that show I don't watch anymore. Um, with that that motherfucker Academics Everyday Struggle. He was on there. I watched both interviews with Soldier Boy, and um, Soldier Boy basically was getting out of the industry. I know if you listen to my podcast, you probably saw the memes with him. Uh, they got him talking about Tiger, and they replaced Tiger with all these other words and shit. He trending like a motherfucker right now. But Soldier Boy was on his shit. And I learned a lot about that, man. Like, I knew he was one of the first artists to use the internet and all that shit, but just what he was doing, and he was talking about his comeback and how people um, were throwing other names out there had a bigger year than him, but he was talking about all-encompassing. He just wasn't articulating the shit right when he was talking about his comeback. He's on the TV show. He's got a video game console out. He came out with the Soldier Watch. I think he had the Soldier phone or whatever, and everybody was on the internet shitting on him talking about People ordered it and can't get it, and this, that, and the third. But he was talking about how he he explained basically how he put out he put it out there and people ordered more than he expected them to order, so that's why they were backlogged. And he explained how he um created his own watch and how he set the price point for people that couldn't afford it. And I really I think that's really dope. Like regardless of all the antics and shit he's saying. Like, I kind of get why he is the way he is. And it may or may not be drugs. I'm not going to bullshit. Like, he could very possibly be possibly be on drugs, but the things he was saying made a lot of sense. How he was saying he, he basically plucked a lot of these guys that are blowing up or coming up in the industry now, how they at one point were sleeping on his couch, how he was on songs with them, how he, he was willing to go stand next to people to help them get connections in order for them to branch out and grow and do their thing now. So he basically has a huge umbrella in the music game. If you're talking about the young rappers, they all look up to people like Chief Keith and Lil B. Well, those guys were kind of put on by Soldier Boy. And I know Lil B, was he had his group before, but then after the group fell off, Soldier Boy went out there and got to messing with him, and then he got big again, and then Soldier Boy was looking out for Chief Keith. Soldier Boy had Tiger in his videos. He basically gave the whole history of how he went from making Crank Dad and all these other hits to being savvy about the internet and how he kind of changed the game and made the game go to streaming because of the things he was doing. Yeah, his words, not mine. But it's two really interesting interviews to watch. If you want to see the more, I would say, ratchet interview, Check out Everyday Struggle on YouTube where he was yelling at academics about the shit they were saying. Because when he would put something out, academics would immediately try to refute it. But everything he was trying to refute, Soldier Boy, was he had back and forth. He's working on a movie. He got this watch. He has his game console. And he's really going about trying to let people know he's serious about his business. Because he came from being broken. He's not trying to go back. And he's like, people are clowning me, people are laughing at me, but at the same time, I'm out here trying to create these businesses because I don't want to be broke again. People talking all this shit about me, but I'm worth 30 mil. Like, I'm rich. But I'm going to keep doing this shit because it's keeping my name out there. And now he's putting it, his energy into music. He signed a, a deal. He had a single deal, and now he's got an album deal. And he's going to get back on his music shit. Hopefully he makes something that I can finally listen to because... 
I'm not really a fan of his music, but the interview was very entertaining. So I will be paying attention to what he does going forward just to kind of see where he takes it and if, he, if he's putting his money where his mouth is and making his music something. Because uh, I'm not going to lie, I was actually impressed by what he did and what he said, just being 100% honest. I was actually very impressed with all the things that he's got going on because I thought, because in my brain, I'm like, damn, if it turned out that he broke tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised. But I was ignorant to his situation. This whole time he had been putting out music, but he was doing it independent. So if he sell like 10,000 copies and all the money coming back to him, he's winning. Versus um, who was it, Tiger? Tiger had his shit up there. Tiger put up a picture comparing the two because he said he had a bigger year than Tiger. Tiger got all these streams and all this shit. And Soldier's like, yeah, but he's on a label. They're dumping millions of dollars into investing in him to get his shit on the radio and to make sure his records are getting heard. He said, I'm not even promoting my shit. I'm basically just putting that shit on the internet with a link. And I'm moving, I'm getting 100,000 streams. So all the revenue from that is coming directly back to me. So uh, my 100,000 versus million streams, it looks like he's winning on that end, but Stream-wise, yes, but when it comes to the financials, the shit that really matter, when who's making the money, Soldier Boy's going to win because he's getting 100% of that income back. Whereas Tiger's going to have to make sure it splits and all that shit is straight with the two companies he's fucking with. Just a little bit of music nerd knowledge for those who might be interested. But I figure I'd give it to you. So now he's in a situation where he feels like he has momentum. He's going to sign. He signed to do a deal with the, with the label. And uh, honestly, man, I hope it works out for him. I really, I really hope it works out for him, man. Because uh, that's a young black man doing it, blazing the trail, helping other people get on. And that's what we in the community need more of. We really do. We just got to find better ways to communicate so that we don't get in situations where you have whole groups of people going at each other because of simple fucking communication breakdown. And that's just me being real. And, um... There's one more thing I want to talk about real quick. Definitely a go get my belt moment. But uh, when I tell people these fucking Make America Great Again hats are going to get somebody's kids hurt, like I really, really, really mean it. This Make America Great Again shit, that's your slogan, cool, whatever. When you put this hat on and go out there and start acting a fool and antagonizing people, be ready for the consequences that are going to come with that shit. Because I told somebody somewhere the other day, like, in my brain, that's like a clan hood to me. I see that hat, I see clan. That's just the way it goes for me. Because of the, it's like it might as well be a Confederate flag, just the way I look at shit. And, um, or the other way I put it is, to me, that hat is like a bandana. It's like a bandana. It's like it's showing gang affiliation to me. That's how I feel about that hat. And for me, that was validated when uh, these kids from this, I think it's called Covington High School, Covington Catholic High School, when a group of these kids, they were at a pro-life rally. There was an Indigenous People's Day rally at the same time. So there's an elder, I think his name is Nathan Phillips, there was an elder who was out there doing his ritual, doing his prayer, 
beating on his drum, doing his chant or whatever. And the elders were surrounded by a group of these kids all wearing fucking Make America Great Again hats. And um, just the, the crowd was basically antagonizing, was trying to antagonize, you know, the older gentleman. And one kid in particular walked directly in this man's face and stood in his face and just fucking stared at him. Like trying to antagonize him because he knew that this older gentleman, if they got into a tussle, 99% physically, he can't handle the young buck. And two, he knew if that old man went to touch him, he was going to be wrong because he's a minor. And that old man, old ass man going to go to jail for fucking with a kid that decided to invade his face and stand directly in his face with this man trying to do something that directly correlates with his heritage. He's trying to pay respect to his ancestors and um, this little asshole decided to stand directly in his fucking face to antagonize him on purpose. Now, me, personally, my thoughts on this was that's some that's a situation where you like, man, I, I wish a motherfucker would do some shit like that. When I, I wish a motherfucker would do something like that while I'm there and I'm present in that space, but then as a, as a responsible adult, you're glad you're not there to actually be able to physically intervene because when I saw that, everything in me wanted to slap the soul out that little boy. Because I, this rhetoric is getting out of hand. It's empowering people to do stupid shit. And we know it's a no, it's a no-brainer. It's like no shit Sherlock moment. There's a segment of people on this planet right now that are loving this shit. Loving it. Like, I know it's not in my Facebook algorithm to see this shit. But I know, I'm 100% confident there are people out there praising this young man for what he did. Make, make America great again. Let me stand in the face of somebody whose ancestry is native to this fucking country that we took. And stare in his face and try to intimidate him and antagonize him while he's paying respects to his ancestors and in the display of his culture and his heritage. Let me go do this shit and be surrounded by all these people that feel exactly like me do. And look down on this man. The irony of the situation is. The guy he was standing in front of. Mr. Phillips is a fucking Vietnam vet. And there's not a good. Hearted red blooded American. That would stand by. And watch a Vietnam vet be disrespected right. Regardless of color of skin. Heritage. Sexuality. Creed. Religion. All that, right? You would think so. You would think so. But this just, it proves to me that it's deeper than politics. It's deeper than politics. This is shit that's deep-rooted in people. These are lessons these guys are getting from the internet. And they're being empowered by the people at the very top. Sadly, at the very top of our fucking society. These are the lessons they're getting from people at the very fucking top. And it trickles down, and it goes to the internet, and it goes to these big media platforms, and it's all over. And while we're looking at this, like, any fucking decent human being, I don't give a damn what your fucking political affiliation is. Any decent adult is looking at this like, man, that is some bullshit. That kid needs his motherfucking ass whooped. He needs some type of disciplinary action, all them motherfucking kids. 
especially the young man that, that decided to stay and stand in that man's face. And the thing about it is, is that for me, it's like I'm all, I'm glad in the way that his face is plastered on a, and going all over the internet because somebody, somebody is going to see him and teach him a lesson. Or there's going to be a negative effect on his life from that moment that he took to try to upstage that man when he was minding his business doing his thing. Man, just beating his drum, minding his business, doing his chant. And he, the guy said he's, he heard people saying, build the wall. It's like, build the wall? Motherfucker, they Native American. Build the wall for what? And from what I understand, the, the schools in fucking Kentucky? Wall? Bitch, you don't live nowhere near the border. What the fuck are you talking about? And that is the danger of shit like using these simple catchphrases and this, like I say, neuro-linguistic programming where you, you say shit over and over again and you get things into people's head when it's inflammatory like this because now it's the cool thing to say. You want to make somebody Mexican mad? Say build that wall. Right? You want to piss off a black person? Say blue lives matter. All lives matter. Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group. Say fuck Trayvon Martin. There's all types of triggers to piss us off. You want to piss off a white person, call him a fucking liberal. And this is all coming from the right. And that's why I'm so fucking hard on them. This is, and this is why I get pissed off at people on the left. And that's why I'm like, I can't, I can't kind of get with y'all. Like, because you're not going to punk me like this. It's something that's inside me. Like, I'm not going to let nobody just talk to me that type of way. And that's why in situations like that, I'm good for it. I can handle it. But then there's no holes bothering me because I'm going to say something that's going to cut you to the bone. And then if somebody wants to take it another way, then I'm ready for that. That's why I don't like people like fucking Tommy Lauren and Candace Owens and all these guys on um, fucking Fox News. They say things that they would never say if a person was present. You put somebody in there that's present that can be in that same space while they're saying that and they're not going to do that. And it's not always because of physical threat of violence. It's because that when you got to look the motherfucker in the face, another human being, and you're forced to, to see them as a human being, and where you can't dehumanize them in their face directly by looking at them eye to eye, it's hard for somebody to do that. It's hard for you to be outright disrespectful to a person that you have no real issue with, no personal issue with, when you got to look at them and face them. You gotta look him directly. You gotta look at him and personalize him as a human being and face him. It's hard to do that shit unless you have an issue. And then for those who choose to do shit like that and blatantly disrespect somebody, in my book, you might deserve to get your ass whooped, depending on what you say. And that's all dependent upon the individual. But it's people like this that make me fucking sick in our society. And I I could tell years ago it was trickling down just because of what people were saying. But now it's ingrained in these, in these fucking kids. And this attitude isn't new. It didn't start with this Make America Great Again shit. It started with the fucking Tea Party. And when they were bringing their kids to these fucking anti-Obama rallies. So this, these kids wearing these Make America Great Again hats, none of this shit is new. It's not new. It's not a new idea. It's not a new way of thinking. It's just a new symbol. Because now they have slogans 
to put with their with their way of thinking. And this all came in my brain from the Tea Party shit. Now they have slogans and symbolism to add with it. This little dirty ass, make America great again hat that's probably made in fucking China. You drain the swamp chants, lock her up, all this shit. All of this shit to distract people from what's really going on is that Mueller's laying the plan to impeach this motherfucker. To that the people around him are going to be put in situations where they may flip and have to testify against him or they're going to give evidence against him. That's going to basically destroy his whole presidency. Because his credibility is already fucking shot. We've been in the government shutdown for fucking, what, 30 days, damn near? Damn near a month, people out of work because of a bullshit campaign promise. And then you turn around and try to offer a deal about DACA that they already wouldn't let you pass. They said, no, nah, you're not going to do it. You're going to offer them the same deal. What are you paying attention to? So it's, a, it's more of an ideology thing. And it's not just this fucking human candy corn person that happens to be sitting in that office that's that's doing this. He's a part of that. He got caught up in that culture too. He was just able to be prepared as a to be propelled as a figurehead of that shit. And now they're pissed off at him too. It's been a long night, it's been a long ride, man. But now on that I'm shutting it down because I'm pissed off. Hey man, make your next day your best day, man. Make this new year a better year than last year was. Holla at me, man. No playing this ride on gmail.com. No play 247 on Twitter. That's capital N, lowercase O, capital B L. Damn, I messed that up. So that's no play 247 on Twitter. Candy Corn got me y'all hyped. So that's capital N, lowercase O, capital P L A Y. No play 247 on Twitter, man. There's a no play this ride Facebook page and all that shit. Um, holla at me there, man. But uh, keep listening, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And um, fuck your MAGA hat, fam. Peace.